The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by Dole Food Company, the world's leading producer and distributor of fresh fruits and vegetables. The Costa Report invites you to be part of the conversation. Join us on Facebook. Take advantage of special opportunities and interesting insight while sharing your thoughts on the topics discussed right here on the Costa Report and beyond. Like us at Facebook.com forward slash Rebecca D. Costa. That's Facebook.com forward slash Rebecca D. Costa. Be part of the conversation. Join us on Facebook. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rosemary Chalmers. I'm sitting in for Rebecca Costa today. She's on a speaking tour and will be back with us next week. I am particularly excited to be guest hosting today's program because our guest is one of the founding members and drummer of the legendary rock band, The Doors. Mr. John Densmore is going to be joining us in just a moment. He has a controversial book which is being released next week about the legal fight to defend Jim Morrison's legacy. And it's quite a broad topic of exploiting the work of artists and you're not going to want to miss what he has to say in the next hour. One of the features that I particularly enjoy about Rebecca's program is that every week she gives a little background about her guest. I always learn something that I didn't know about them. So in keeping with that tradition, I did a little background research on John Paul Densmore and discovered he was born in Los Angeles. He was a student at Santa Monica College and Cal State Northridge. Though Morrison and Manzarek met earlier, the story goes that Densmore, Manzarek and Bobby Krager first met because of their shared interest in transcendental meditation. In 1965, Densmore joined the Doors and one year later they signed with Electra Records and of course the rest is history. The Doors skyrocketed to fame with unforgettable songs such as Riders on the Storm, Light My Fire, Love Her Madly, Break On Through to the Other Side, Touch Me, an L.A. Woman. If you can believe what you read on the internet, the Doors, la- the Doors' last performance with lead singer Jim Morrison was held in New Orleans in 1970, after which the band decided not to do any more live performances. Then, in 1971, Jim Morrison died of undetermined causes. The band dissolved two years later and Densmore went on to found and play with other groups as well as explore a career in dance and theatre. He's performed in a variety of award-winning plays and also on television and on film including acting as the technical advisor on Oliver Stone's 1991 film About the Doors. In 1990, Desmore released his best-selling autobiography, Riders on the Storm, and in 1993, he and the Doors were elected into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 2006, his band Tribal Jazz released their first album of original work to critical acclaim.
claim. Today, Mr. Densmore is here to talk about his court battle to stop his former bandmates from exploiting the name and music of The Doors for commercial purposes. His much-anticipated book, The Doors Unhinged, Jim Morrison's Legacy Goes on Trials, hits bookstores this week. You certainly have thrown a light on a, a sector of our lives that we perhaps wouldn't know about if you hadn't had the courage to get up and write the book and let everybody know uh, what's happening. So thank you so much, and we certainly do appreciate your time this morning. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report Mr. John Densmore. Thank you for being with us today, John, and welcome to the program. My goodness, Rebecca, uh, you covered everything. You don't need to ask me any questions. <laughs> it's Rosemary, actually, and we've got a lot to talk about today. I'm very excited, and, and knowing that I was going to be talking with you today, I've been listening to your music so much and just love it, love it, love it. So it's a great pleasure, pleasure to talk to you. I guess the first thing I should do is to congratulate you from coming back from the dead. We were concerned about whether you were going to show after reading about your untimely death on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. Oh, I, I didn't hear about that, but I'm getting younger every day, thanks. <laughs> well, as I understand it, condolences started pouring in. You had to issue some statements to the press to let everyone know you were alive and well, and I'm not surprised because it was an extremely detailed account of how you died, and it certainly look, looked um, quite official. As I said, I've been listening to The Doors music, and it's hard to believe that Jim Morrison passed away over 40 years ago. For years, we had conspiracy theorists claiming his death was staged. I guess if Facebook had been around then, there would have been staged too. Um, what did you think about all the mystery and the theories surrounding his death? Well, um, if anyone uh, could fake his own death, Jim would be the guy. But on the other hand, I saw him, you know, kind of turn towards the bottle and become an alcoholic and uh, we didn't have substance abuse clinics then, and we didn't know he had a disease, but I'm sure that's uh, the cause of his demise. As I understand it, as band members, you weren't just close. There was also an understanding that you were all equal contributors to the music, and at one point you even formalized that into some kind of document. Is that right? Yeah, at Jim's suggestion, um, which came from because he didn't play an instrument he couldn't even play a chord he said what do we do here how do you write songs and and let's just share everything and let's even credit the songwriting to be by the doors instead of individual lyricists and was it mostly the the other three of you that were writers that that wrote those songs or was is there any one of you that was a little more prominent than perhaps the others well, I mean, Jim was the most prominent with all the lyrics, and he also had melodies in his head, but he didn't know how to arrange them. I would say second in command would be Robbie Krieger. Uh, he brought songs like Light My Fire and, um, oh, let's see, Love Me Two Times. Um, sort of, not complete, but the skeleton was there. You, you must have some absolutely extraordinary lifetime memories of traveling with the Doors and the times that you all had together, besides the times that you have now as an independent musician. Is that useful? Is something like that as big as it was? Is that useful as you move forward in your musical career? Well, Rosemary, I'm certainly proud of it. Uh, it's like some psychedelic dream I had years ago. 
A lot of a lot of people had those dreams those years ago, that's for sure. And nineteen seventy seems so long ago, doesn't it? Um, well, yeah, but um, I, I'm excited by learning a new craft of writing, and so that turns me on. Yes, and you have your new book is going to be um, coming up uh, next week. It's a difficult subject to write about. Well, it was a real struggle, but I'm pleased to say that the doors are back on their hinges. <laughs> very clever, very clever stuff. I was um, reminiscing at home about your music and the influence of the doors in my household and, and lamenting greatly, I must say, that of all of the bands of the day that I, I personally didn't get to see, the doors were one of them. And uh, so it's certainly a great pleasure for me to be chatting with you today. As band members, you weren't just close. There was also an understanding that you all equal contributors to the music we're going to um, take a short commercial break here but when we come back we're going to find out why John Densmore felt compelled to stop the band's work from being exploited and how this and how he and his band mates ultimately ended up in court I'm Rosemary Thomas and I'm sitting in for Rebecca Costa today and talking with Doors drummer and also best-selling author John Densmore who has a new book which is hitting the the bookstores this week you're listening to the costa report the costa report invites you to be part of the conversation join us on facebook take advantage of special opportunities and interesting insight while sharing your thoughts on the topics discussed right here on the costa report and beyond like us at facebook.com forward slash rebecca d costa that's facebook.com forward slash rebecca d costa be part of the conversation. Join us on Facebook. This Legal Minute is brought to you by Nolan, Hammerley, Etienne, and Haas. Experienced attorneys providing professional legal services to the Central Coast for 85 years. Hello, this is attorney Stephen Wagner with your Legal Minute. Have you ever said to yourself, there ought to be a law for that? Well, often there is. In today's segment, I will address the issue of distracted driving, and here's my opening salvo. Smartphones make dumb drivers. Of course, I'm talking about all those other drivers. The laws vary from state to state, but there is one common thread. These laws were legislatively put on the books because of the outcry of concern over drivers who are texting, talking, emailing, and tweeting. Distracted driving is nothing new. We used to look at the cows and pastures. Now we take photos with our smartphones. In California, there are over 20 million licensed drivers. 20 million. Here's a scary thought. Just think about how many of those 20 million own and use cell or smartphones. I can't possibly cover all the laws in all the states, but I can say that the trend is to prohibit or sharply curtail some uses of smartphones while driving. 
Whether this leads to a new species of liability remains to be seen, but one thing is clear. With each new feature and amazing breakthrough in technology comes a new and tempting distraction. As new laws go into effect, it will be interesting to see how this impacts the law of negligence. I predict that these new laws will expand the application of important negligence concepts such as duty, breach, and causation, thereby creating more liability theories. While we marvel at the great advances in technology and the cool things that our smartphones can do, they just keep on getting smarter. But do we? This is Stephen Wagner, and that's your Legal Minute. Brought to you by Nolan, Hammerley, Etienne, and Haas. Selected in 2013 as one of the top law firms in the United States by Martindale Hubble. Organic Gardeners, spring into action this Saturday, 9 to 4, at Soil Solutions for our annual spring gardening kickoff. Hello, I'm Jim Nee with an invitation to join us this Saturday at Soil Solutions for great savings on everything you need to build organic soil, and you'll find answers to all of your organic gardening questions. You'll hear Professor Richard Merrill speak on managing your organic soil. Plus, you'll get to see organic soil building demonstrations. And enjoy our delicious gourmet barbecue. So wake up your organic soil at Soil Solutions this Saturday, 9 to 4, at 138 Fern Street in Santa Cruz. Details at soil-restore.com. Start life over. Spend more quality time with your family. Take more vacations. Own your own business. Be healthy and earn the kind of income you've always dreamed of. Is it possible? Yes, with longevity. First, you've got to see the video that is turning the medical industry upside down. Go to HealthyBody13.com. That's HealthyBody13.com. Watch this video, then pre-register for the Spring Longevity Convention, May 2nd through 4th in Las Vegas, Nevada. And guess who will be there? Hi, I'm Dr. Joel Wallach, the Dead Doctors Don't Lie guy. And I prescribe the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'll be there. Hi, I'm Steve Schultz, Vice President of Training here at Longevity. I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'll be there. Hi, this is Ted Anderson, President of the Genesis Communications Network. I'm taking the Healthy Body Challenge, and I'm going to be there. Take the Healthy Body Challenge, and don't miss the Longevity Convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, May 2nd through 4th. For more information, go to HealthyBody13.com or call 1-800-360-8695. That's 800-360-8695. Tune in to the Sentinel Radio Program Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on AM 1080 KSCO. Brought to you by First Church of Christ Scientist Monterey. Come into our Christian Science Community Reading Room and Bookstore and find comfort from the challenges you're facing. We have the resources that will connect you with your God-given substance. Find help now. Our address is 780 Abrego Street in Monterey. Reach out for this help today. Come in and visit or call 831-372-5076. 372 Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rosemary Chalmers sitting in for Rebecca Costa. Our guest today is the former drummer for The Doors and and best-selling author, Mr. John Densmore. And before the break, we were pointing out that not only is Mr. Densmore still alive and kicking and that The Doors are still on their hinges, and I certainly do like that comment, but we're understanding that there was a great deal of working together as a group rather than one individual being a particular frontman for a band, and that they band formalized their music and their contribution into a document. So let's start, John, with the $15 million offer to use The Doors music in their ad campaign. What was that like to be offered that amount of money for a piece of music for advertising? 
Well, it certainly made my uh, knees shake quite a bit, but um, and that was for uh, Cadillac. But previously, when Jim was still alive, we got this offer for uh, light my come on Buick light my fire, oh. and Jim said, "Oh well." Um, yeah, uh, I'll smash a Buick on television with a sledgehammer, uh, to which uh, we all went, oh, he means no. <laughs> and um, I haven't forgotten that. And that's why That's why I uh, said no to Cadillac. And did you, did you all say no to Cadillac? Well, no. Robbie was on the fence and Ray was saying yes. And then, and so you, so then it was a quorum. I mean, you get other bands, you get huge bands that get offers like this all of the time. David Bowie sold Changes, the Rolling Stones sold Start Me Up to Microsoft. So, what was it then about the selling of your songs that drove you all the way to court? Well, um, as I said, Jim was really against it, and um, I. Uh, because we had this agreement that we share everything, all the, the writing credits, the money, everything, you know, uh, we all have nice houses and cars, and and I know how it's going for everybody. And if uh, that wasn't the case, then maybe I would think differently. And also, I'd like to say that if a new band is trying to pay the rent, and it's a tough business, tougher every day, uh, you know, maybe hawk your stuff to uh, sell some product. But eventually, if you get some success, you might want to revisit that. And, and Tom Waits said, do you want to turn your lyrics into a jingle? Yes, and of course, there's so much to the lyrics when four people are working on, well, even if Jim was doing it predominantly, but a piece of music where four people are collaborating very carefully today. Did you have a favorite um, place that you wrote and composed? Well, we started out in a garage in Venice, California, and uh, actually our last album, L.A. Woman, we recorded in our rehearsal studio instead of a recording studio where we were very comfortable. Oh, that's good. Well, so what you've got is their bandmates, their friends, you're all together. At what point did you feel... That origins, uh, that honoring rather the sacred origins of your work, and even a deceased person was more important than supporting your bandmates. Where did that? When did that decision come down? Well, when they went out uh, with the name and without Jim, it's kind of uh, it's like the Stones without Mick or, or the Police without Sting. It's kind of ludicrous. So I kept saying, change it, and and they didn't and and i called jim's estate and we got together and decided to um, start a legal action to prevent them did did that weigh very heavily on you the fact that you had to make that decision and go through the courts and it was obviously going to be public obviously fans are going to be watching this from whichever side of the aisle they're on did that weigh heavily on you yeah, very heavily, and and in the beginning, some hardcore fans thought I was just ruining the band they loved, and uh, that's why I have this book. Uh, you know, if you read the journey I went through, hopefully you get the impression that I was trying to preserve the pure legacy of uh, what we were all about. Well, and of course, then they countersued you, is that right? Uh, yes, they did. 
So I understand that during this you were accused of being an anarchist and an Al-Qaeda supporter by opposing counsel, which is an interesting <laughs> scenario to get yourself in as a member of the doors. Kind of ludicrous, huh? Yes, absolutely, um, or at least to, to this woman, certainly. Um, I think when you when your case is weak, I mean, we had contracts that said we all own the name together. Um, the, you character assassinate, you know, and you try and scare off the uh, other person. That's why I was countersued for more money than all of us collectively made in our entire life. And it did scare me, but I hung in there and uh, um, persevered. Were you aware, I mean, you were in the heyday of rock and roll with The Doors. Were you aware of other bands that had the same arrangement about their music at the time? Do you do you know of other bands who are saying, no, we're not going to do anything with our music, it's our music, and it's going to stay our music? Or were you, were you chaps just cutting edge on that? Well, I can't think of any band uh, in the history of pop music that ever shared everything and had veto power for each member. So that was quite a bit different. Did And did legally fighting in the court with the two other band members ruin your relationship with them, I'm guessing? Well, it was severely strained, that's for sure, but um, I just recently sent them the last chapter of the, of the book to make sure they got to it, and in which I write about how I, I love them, and, and how could I not? We created this magic, and it was so much bigger than all of us. Uh, they're my musical brothers. Did you did you have any idea when you all first met that it was going to be, as you say, it was a huge, a huge sound. It was part of the fabric of the lives of people in the 60s and early 70s. Could you have ever imagined it was going to be that good or go that far? I hoped it would last a decade, and it's, what is it, 40 years? Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that's why I, I'm kind of adamant about if these songs are a soundtrack for people's lives, then let's not uh, break on through to a new deodorant. <laughs> that's fantastic. It's a great line. I love it. So if I understand it right, we start out in transcendental meditation class and we end up in court suing each other. Is that how things turn out in this story? <laughs> Well, the story's not over. I mean, uh, I wouldn't rule out uh, playing a little music again. Uh, certainly not going on tour with uh, what I call uh, a, a gymitator. Uh, but uh, maybe like Pink Floyd did a uh, benefit a few years ago, and they've had their struggles uh, for Live Aid or something. Maybe we could get together with a great singer for some altruistic endeavor. So are you, when you sent copies of the book to them, if you were doing it chapter by chapter, did you, uh, did you receive from them any requests to make any changes and saying point blank, no, this isn't right, um, you, need, you need to rewrite that, or did you simply send it to them as a matter of courtesy? No, I just, the books are just being printed now. I just recently sent them the last chapter to make sure that they read the section in which I offer an olive branch well i think that that's wonderful that you do um we are talking with mr john densmore he is our guest a former drummer for the doors and the best-selling author you are listening to the costa report mm -hmm.
If you listen to talk shows in the news today, you might come away with the impression that the root of all our problems are politics or economics. The right blames the left, the left blames the right, and everyone blames the Chinese. But take a hard look at where the blame game has gotten us. That's why I'm asking you to pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It's available in paperback and as an ebook too. And if you don't have time to read, there's an audio version so you can listen in your car or even on the beach. The book explains why complexity produces gridlock and what we have to do to start moving forward again. So pick up a copy of The Watchman's Rattle at a bookstore near you or online retailer. Do it today. Ford is generating more positive buzz than any other manufacturer in the world for the second year in a row. And you can always find the best deal on the Ford of your choice at North Bay Ford in Santa Cruz. Hello, I'm Jeff Winterholder. North Bay Ford is a locally owned dealership with low overhead, friendly, small town values, and the best deals on new Ford cars, trucks, and RVs. Get this, Jeff's deal at North Bay Ford. Forget depreciation, save thousands with a late model certified pre-owned car or truck from North Bay Ford. Ford certified pre-owned vehicles come standard with a 12-month, 12,000-mile comprehensive warranty, 7-year, 100,000-mile limited powertrain warranty, plus 24-hour roadside assistance. Let someone else pay the depreciation and save thousands with a just-like-new North Bay Ford certified pre-owned car or truck. When you need an economical focus for your college student, a new Explorer for Sunday drives, or a fleet of powerful F-350s for your construction company, look first to your friends and neighbors at locally owned North Bay Ford. 1999 Soquel Avenue, Santa Cruz, or on the web at NorthBayFord.com. For the last 60 years, Coast Paper and Supply has been serving locals and businesses for all their cleaning and paper supply needs. With an 1,800-square-foot showroom and nearly 5,000 products, you'll find everything you're looking for in the way of janitorial supplies, retail and industrial packaging, and disposable food service products for business or home. Not to mention their huge selection of boxes and shipping supplies. Their family-owned and operated business is located at 151 Josephine on River Street in Santa Cruz. Call 831-423-3350 or visit Coast Paper Supply Inc.com, a proud member of Think Local First. I have a T. We're going to do 25 now, 50 now, 75. We're going to go 300, 325, Imagine finding an old painting or chair or fishing lure while rummaging through the attic. Is it junk or is it hidden treasure? Hello, I'm Rob Slowinski of Slowinski Auctions and Appraisers in Scotts Valley. Before you throw that item out, you better make certain it's not hidden treasure. And the way to do that is to join me at 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon here at KSEO for Hidden Treasures Radio Show. Put that item on the table in front of you and call the show. We'll figure out what that item is, where it came from, what it's worth, give or take. So don't throw that item out. Instead, join me, Rob Slowinski of Slowinski Auction Company, Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m., for Hidden Treasures Radio Show. Is it junk or is it hidden treasure? Throw in the towel. Those worn-out, outdated window coverings won't survive another spring cleaning. Replace them at Blinds.com for prices lower than Lowe's and Home Depot. And check out their remarkable new InstaFit cordless honeycomb shades that install in seconds with no tools, drilling, or brackets. Get free color samples, free shipping, and no sales tax in most states. Plus free, sleek-looking cordless upgrades on many of their most popular products now. Blinds.com, where prices crush home improvement store prices. 
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rosemary Thomas, sitting in for Rebecca Costa today. And our guest is legendary drummer for The Doors, Mr. John Densmore. And before we took our break, we were discussing the sacred origins of work and the fact that supporting your bandmates was important and just exactly what it was about The Doors selling their songs that, that drove this situation into court. John, like everything these days, there seems to be a lot of grey area when it comes to the topic, and it's quite a broad topic, of exploiting the work of artists. I've stood in the middle of a shopping mall when I've heard music from The Doors piped in. Isn't that form of Isn't that a form of exploitation also? And if it is, just how far can you go to protect artistic integrity? Well, um, with our songs, you can use them uh, in an elevator that's called a cover, a cover of a Doors song, or some other artist can cover our songs. Where we draw the line is when they want the song to sell some other product. And, uh, you know, uh, I also, in this book, I have an interview with, uh, that I quoted from Pete Townsend with Rolling Stone, where he says, you know, I don't care if you fell in love with Shirley over my song. I'll do whatever the hell I want with it. <laughs> so there's uh, all kinds of opinions. Yes, and there were a lot of people that fell in love to the music of The Doors. I can, I know that for sure. I, I have to say, my, I have young nieces, um, and they have your music and listen to it uh, in their various and sundry ways that young people do now. So your music, which many have said of The Doors, is poetry to music. Many people have used that reference. Um, remains to be extremely popular. If, you, it was, if I was to look at the music, and I'm not being derogatory here in saying this, but of a band from, say, the last 10 years, I could not imagine that 40 years hence that their music would even be requested to advertise a product because their music wasn't huge. It wasn't known. It didn't have the longevity that the music of The Doors does. So is not the invitation to sponsor something, whether it be Buick or whether whatever the product may be, is that not really a sincere form of flattery to you and to your fellow bandmates? Well, sure. But uh, as you said, what we were doing was poetry and music, and Jim had these incredible poems, and so... I don't want to distort the meaning. Um, may- maybe the longevity is just all due to the drumming. <laughs> I bet you it is. And when I knew that it was you I was going to be talking to, I'm not a particularly musical person, as my friends will tell me. I mean, I certainly appreciate good rock and roll. That was the era that I grew up in. But when I knew that I was going to be talking with you, I tried to listen with a different ear this last week or so, rocking out in my car, trying to listen to your to your drumming. And for someone who's not as musical as others, it, it's hard, but I was able to do so. Did you, when you were doing this music, did you just simply sit down and go for it? Or did you have a melody to start with? Did Jim have his poetry to start with? What were the genesis of some of your songs? How did that come about? Yeah, uh, Jim would start, he'd have lyrics, lots of lyrics. And he said that 
the way for him to remember them was to think of a melody. So he even had melodies. But then we'd have to say, he'd sing a line or two, and we'd go, wait a minute, wait a minute, E-flat here. Well, I think it's a waltz. Well, you know. So it was stop and go while we sort of eked out uh, the skeleton of his ideas. Okay. In the book, you extract lessons from what you observe about human nature, and in particular, one of those is greed. Can you share some of those observations with us today? Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting that the gap between the rich and the poor in this country is um, uh, bigger than ever. And um, I don't know how much you can fit in your casket. Uh, I think I say in the book, money is like fertilizer. When hoarded, it stinks. And when spread around, things grow. Well, that's a very that's very thoughtful. Before you were um, before you joined the doors, did you do you have these similar thoughts about life and about feelings before then, or was it as a result of this situation with the legal charges that you came to that sense of being? In other words, what I'm saying, not wording that very well, was: is are you the same person from before the doors that you are now? Oh, boy. (laughs) Well, uh, I hope I am, and I hope not. I hope I learned from what I've gone through. But I would say, you know, I was a sort of lower middle class kid who found success and then noticed that, um, wow, money is kind of, it can be like an addiction. Um, uh, Why would we have billionaires and uh, people wanting more and more and more, you know? And I, I make a joke about that, about myself, that I, I made a decision to tithe, you know, uh, and when the Oliver Stone movie came out, my hand was shaking when the tithing checks I was writing, the hand of greed in me, it's a, it's a gene we've all got. Yeah, that, well, I think you're true there. Once you have more money than you can use, does getting more of it turn into a sport where we just don't want to quit? I think... I think you got it there. Well, it certainly sounds like you have it. Not long ago, Rebecca Hoster, who's the uh, Costa, who's the host of this program, was visiting with naturalist E.O. Wilson, and he'd just come back from the Davos conference. And he said that when he got there, they asked if he would mind talking about the recession because all anyone was interested in was whether we were coming out of the recession or not. And Wilson said that he was there to talk about how biodiversity of the planet was being destroyed. He told Rebecca that economists were ruining everything I take it you'd probably agree with that. Well, I mean, um, the word currency comes from the word current. So it's supposed to flow like a river. And so if the corporate CEO beavers are damming it up by hoarding, then that's not so good. But I don't think that you'd argue that the pursuit of wealth has led to countless inventions by ambitious men and women. Capitalism has been the birth mother of more technologies, more medicines, more innovation that have benefited humankind than any other system that we have yet to invent. No, I'm, I'm uh, not against capitalism. I, I, I just uh, I think if, if we live in a hierarchical world, Uh, And nature is that way. There's always going to be doctors and nurses. But maybe if the doctors were a little more generous, I mean, 
speaking metaphorically, maybe if the doctors were a little more generous and kind to the nurses, then it'd be a nicer place here. Well, you have a point there. The The Rolling Stones have just announced their um, worldwide tour. The cost of tickets is, in this particular case, is prohibitive. No one has ever seen the price of tickets to a rock concert, legends or otherwise, be as high as it is across the land. There is grumbling. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of grumbling. I want I mean we're talking about seats that are starting at $250. I wondered what your thoughts were on that in reference to the greed factor. I mean this is a band that's got everything they could possibly want. Well, Rosemary, I guess the lads need the dough. <laughs> Not true. No, of course not true, but I mean I uh I, I've just—I've been going and, and seeing that particular band all of my life, and I'm astonished at what people are willing to pay these days. And it just seems rather sad because it shuts up the people that don't have the deep um, pockets for that in their checkbook. Well, it's a free enterprise, but I'm sad too. As I said, if it's spread around a little more, then we have a more biodiverse world like the scientist was saying we have to take our last break but stay right where you are because when we come back mr densmore has an interesting story about a chance encounter with a woman who had no problem putting honor ahead of money you're listening to the costa report Tobin, a cookbook author and culinary expert. I'm always looking for creative ideas to take fresh salads to a new level. So I gathered a few friends together for an afternoon of ultimate salad making and salad tasting fun. We started with a variety of Dole salad blends, a seasonal fresh fruits and vegetables, an assortment of our favorite toppings, and a room full of culinary imagination. The result was an inspiring day of tastes, textures, and togetherness. One of my favorites of the day was an Italian-inspired salad that started with the bold taste of Dole arugula. We added sweet mandarin oranges, green grapes, and dates, which paired perfectly with the saltiness of the Parmesan cheese and sliced prosciutto to complete this salad masterpiece. Thanks to my new salad circle of friends and a little culinary indulgence, I've been re-inspired to push my salad boundaries. To help you get started sharing your own fresh ideas, sign up for the Dole Salad Circle email at dole.com slash salads. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Hi, Scott. How you doing? I'm doing well, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So I've got a question for you. What's the first impression a person has when they walk into the Caraccioli tasting room? You know, it's initially always the decor, and then it's one of those things where you sit down and you realize the wine's good too, so it becomes a complete experience. You get to experience not only the uh, great surroundings and the warm environment, but also some great wines for your palate. It's one of my favorite places to go in downtown Carmel. And I hope everyone listening to us today will take a moment to stop in because I think that they would really enjoy the experience that you've created. 
Well, thank you, and please do. We'd love to have you. We're open seven days a week. It's right on Dolores between Ocean and 7th and Carmel. Thank you for being with us again, Scott. Thank you, Rebecca. Hi, all you hungry road warriors. Rosanna here from Bruno's Barbecue in Scotts Valley. I know how you feel right now because I commuted that hill for years myself. You're tired and hungry and wondering what to eat. Well, listen to what I cooked up for you at Bruno's. Mouth-watering Bruno's baby back ribs. Thick, juicy Bruno burgers. More Bruno sandwiches than you can count. Hot Bruno's fries and cool Bruno salads. Homemade soups. Pasta Wednesdays, lots of gluten-free selections, and lots of your favorite libations because every hour is happy hour at Bruno's. So get on your hands free and give Bruno's a call right now. When you get to Scotts Valley, take that Mount Hermon exit and head to Bruno's Barbecue in the back of the Kings Village Shopping Center. By the time you get here, we'll have dinner for you and the entire family ready to go. And we'll be waiting at the door just for you. Hi, I'm Dr. Guy Peabody. If fear is preventing you from seeing the dentist, listen to how we've helped others with sedation dentistry. Hi, my name's Stacy. I've just never enjoyed going to the dentist. Even if I look at the needle, I cry. I needed to have some um, root canal and crown work done, and I put it off too long, and so I was in severe pain. A friend of mine referred me to Dr. Peabody because I could have all the dental work done in one day instead of going back for six visits. I believe I was there possibly six hours, but it flew by because I had no pain whatsoever with Dr. Peabody. I felt great. No pain, no bruising, no swelling. Um, I couldn't thank Dr. Peabody enough. We've helped hundreds of people wake up to a beautiful smile. Let us help you too. Call Dr. Guy Peabody at 457-0343. That's 831-457-0343. Find Dr. Peabody's sedation dentistry on the web at drpeabody.com or in the yellow pages. You too can wake up to a beautiful smile. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rosemary Chalmers and I'm sitting in for Rebecca Costa today and talking with former Doors drummer and also best-selling author John Densmore, who has a new book which is hitting the bookstores this week. Do you consider yourself former Doors drummer, John, or are you simply the drummer for the Doors? Well, thanks for correcting that, Rosemary. I am, have always been the drummer for the Doors. From the get-go. So there, I just, yeah, thank you. Okay, so before the break, we were talking about greed and your thoughts on that subject. Recently, um, I think it was in February, you had a blog and it was on the Huffington Post where you'd lost your wallet and you had a chance encounter with a person who didn't really seem to care much about greed. I was wondering if you would share um, the that story with us today. Oh, beautiful. Um, well, yeah, you know, I'm 68, so I put my wallet on top of the car while I'm pumping gas, and then I drive off. <laughs> Was this in Los Angeles? Yes, and it ends up in the gutter, and uh, this woman, who's a house cleaner, uh, picks it up and looks up the address and drives to my accountant in Beverly Hills and, and finds out that they've moved and then gets the number and... Uh, says she she doesn't want uh, a messenger to pick up the wallet because there's money in it and they might steal the money 
and and I I should come to her house to get it, which I do, and and it's the sweetest thing ever. I, I'm just, and you know, she's from Mexico, and and uh, you know, immigrants are getting a pretty bad rap, and I'd say most of them are like this woman. And was there a lot of money in the wallet? Not that much. And, you know, I was driving over there, and I was thinking, oh, she and she wouldn't take a reward. They'd all get her flowers, and i pull into a flower shop, and i go, wait a minute, I'm broke. She has all my money. <laughs> so did you just did you just show up with a, with a smile and a handshake and a thank you? Uh, I, I scrambled around the bottom of my car, and I found a door CD, and I, I talked her into taking that. And she, but did she know even who the doors were? Not so much, but she said her brother might, and he he might be jealous, so she'll take it. Well, that was very sweet. Now, it was I, it was interested that when she invited you into her home, that when you saw the Donna, the Madonna there, you blurted out that you were a Catholic as well. Do you think that religion and spirituality, in some way? or in any way, neutralizes greed and hoarding? Well, I'm, I'm certainly a renegade Catholic because um, my Catholicism gave me a lot of uh, what I'd considered negative things of guilt and sin, whatever. But, um, you know, I mean, uh, it, it, it came out of my mouth, didn't it? And uh, so this woman was uh, a very generous, giving person. So... Uh, all religions have that. It's just I get nervous when they say, my God is better than yours, so let's have a war. Well, yes, of course, aren't we just absolutely, absolutely, that is a message that is true. Was there a message in that blog for your former bandmates by any way? No, it was primarily a message of, of uh, that there's a lot of good people in this world doing good things, and the news usually just talks about the negativity because it's sensationalistic. That's true. Do you have um, family? Do you have children, John? I do. And I wondered, um, you're, you're not Warren Buffett and you're not Bill Gates, but you're very comfortable as a result of the success of your band. Um, when the time comes, have you made a determination that your money will be left to your children or do you intend it for that money to be put to different use, perhaps um, in, a, in a more altruistic fashion? Uh, they're going to get some, but not all of it. And they've already, uh, I've tested them out by giving them a little dough and saying, guess what? You've got to give 10% of this to your favorite charity. You do the research and you get the good feelings by giving and uh, then you get the rest of that money. And that was in reference to your early comment about tithing then? Yes. And you do that to your favorite charity? Yeah, I've done that for uh, 20, 30 years. And what was it that made you start doing it then? Was it because you were experiencing huge success as a member of the Doors? Yes, and I had read that John Lennon started doing that. And it's kind of this uh, old uh, corny routine, but why not? If everyone did, then the billionaires would have to give a lot, and the poor people wouldn't give much at all. And maybe the playing field would be a little more level. Well, I mean, if you look at Warren Buffett, he's giving it all away, everything, right. and the gates, too. They can't seemingly give it away fast enough. Yeah, that's terrific. Yes, I, I have to agree with you. 
Um, was there something in you that caused you to step up and even at personal expense do the right thing? You know, when you when you strip everything from away from what you do think, it, that it was that that kept you from succumbing to a $15 million offer, which admittedly most people wouldn't think twice about? It was honoring my ancestor. Jim's on the other side, and he's now my ancestor. And that's what he did, wanted when he was alive, and that's all I can go on. So that's what I'm doing. Do you ever go to his place of burial? Well, I have, but it's kind of far. It's in Paris. Well, I understand that, but I just wondered if it was something that you do periodically as a connection or, or is the connection right there in your mind and in your heart because of the years of experience that you had together? Uh, both. I've been uh, to Pierre Lachaise a couple times, and then as you read in the end of the book, uh, The Doors Unhinged, I'm telling Ray and Robbie that I had a dream about Jim. and uh, So he's definitely with me. And and with many of us in, in in perhaps a different way, but certainly. Your book is just out. You've got an unusual book tour underway. Would you tell us where you're going to be? Yeah, primarily I'm going to be at uh, record stores because bookstores are rather scarce. But these record stores that are left have sort of kind of, uh, they, they have vinyl, they have box sets, they have books, posters, and, and they're filling the gap, that sort of coffee house community that Borders used to have. So I'm very pleased to, to go to these places. And are you, you're doing a nationwide tour? Yes. That's really wonderful that you're going to do that and that you're not just going to be in a in a few select bookstores because I think that for many people certainly that experienced the music of The Doors and that grew up with it and loved it and it was part of their timeline in their life that we gravitate to those stores now and I don't mean to use the term gravitate in a derogatory fashion but we gravitate to them. I do personally go to one of those stores that does sell all of those things and I lovingly look at the vinyl and I think wish I did have a record player but I don't but um, I'm a CD purchaser so I think that's great that you are coming to the level of the people and the fans rather than doing something that's just necessarily for people that are going to read the book and young people are getting into vinyl as well and then you know there's downloading and digital so whatever your choice Good. And well, before we run out of time, can you um, tell our listeners where they can go to get more information about what you're up to and also about the book? Well, you can go to johndensmore.com and that'll tell you everything. And that well, is, that'll give you my tour schedule. That'll give you links to buying the book or the ebook or whatever you want. And then uh, what next for you after the book and the tour is over? Do you have any future plans that we should know about that are exciting? Uh, well, not too exciting. I think I'll fall down and rest for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been an absolute delight to talk with you this morning and I think we've thrown or you certainly have thrown a light on a, a sector of our lives that we perhaps wouldn't know about if you hadn't had the courage to get up and write the book and let everybody know uh, what's happening so thank you so much and we certainly do appreciate your time this morning we've been having a conversation with the Doors drummer John Densmore also best-selling author Seek out his work. I encourage you. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Thank you.
that's all the time we have today. But before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for stopping by to share your story and congratulations on your book. Thanks very much. If your station is leaving us after the first hour, Rebecca will be back next week and you won't want to miss her interview with Anne Speckhardt. After personally interviewing over 400 terrorists from Lebanon to Morocco, Speckhardt has, was charged with the design of the Defense Department's detainee rehabilitation program for Islamic terrorists. Don't miss Anne Speckhardt right here on your favorite weekly news program. Now here's something to think about. If we're having the same problems in the United States that every other country is struggling with, then are these problems really domestic issues? At what point do we wake up and say, hey, if it's happening to everyone, it means it's happening to our species. That's why I'm asking you to read the Watchman's Rattle, because when you do, you'll see that the very idea that there are domestic and international threats is a myth. All of the problems we face today, problems like unemployment, debt, climate change, terrorism, nuclear proliferation, even the spread of pandemic viruses involve other nations. So please take a moment to pick up the Watchman's Rattle. It's a perspective you'll not find anywhere else, and it offers us solutions you won't find anywhere else. Get the Watchman's Rattle. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. When you're forced to handle a tough legal issue alone, handle it with the help of Angel Hess, LDA. There are many situations in which you might find yourself in a legal bind and alone. Your opposition has a lawyer, you don't. You can't find a lawyer who's willing to help. You can't afford a good lawyer. There is help. You can work your way out of that legal bind with the help of Angel Hess, LDA. Angel Hess is a legal document assistant, notary public, and certified mediator with over 20 years of experience helping area attorneys and people just like you to save money, lots of money, while negotiating the legal system. With Angel's help, you can afford to prepare complaints, summons, answers, and discovery, uncontested probates, wills, and powers of attorney. You can afford to file unlawful detainer actions, dissolve a marriage, and modify spousal support or child custody. Hello, I'm Angel Hess. I am not an attorney and cannot give you legal advice or represent you in court. However, I can save you a lot of time and money by providing you with professionally prepared documents for your day in court. Angel Hess is bonded and registered with County of Santa Cruz and a proud member of Santa Cruz County Bar Association and Think Local First. Call on the Angel. Angel Hess, 831 831- 426-8536. This is KSCO Santa Cruz. It's 3 o'clock. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.